0: I thank God for the Parkers, hopefully that they're watching online. I know that I think Missionary had just fallen back asleep like mm-hmm. right before service started. So I don't know if she's watching or not, but we, did, we thank God for them and, and Baby Ellie being in the world. So this is, they are listening. This is the first, the first. Listening in this on this side. Um, so I just, I give honor to each and every one of you. As I go into the Word on today, um, I just hope and I pray that it is it's exactly what you need. You know, I put in a group that I was excited in my preparation, and I know when I put that, I say something probably don't go wrong, so of course, this stuff is not working today, but I think God for all of you being here Amen. to work the, um, the slides manually. And so I just hope that this Word is, is what you need. Um, I also hope and pray that you would just if something stick out to you that you would just either write it down, that you would stand up, that you would amen it, um, that you would just let God know that he, he He He's talking to you, or that you would be able to walk away or take something with you that you didn't come with on today. And because it's so much what I want to present, I'm gonna be moving kind of fast, and that's why I'm like have your notebook because. As I was preparing, I was getting excited. So, this particular sermon, um, this particular sermon, I literally was typing it out on my phone in bed at like 11 o'clock at night. And I stayed up like about 12 31. And I typed the whole sermon one night on my phone because it was like God was just giving it to me. Mm -hmm. And so, for our word on today, uh, we will be using the the word kindred. Amen. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be using the word kindred. And for the subtitle of Family Dynamic, amen. So on this Sunday, we're going to be talking about family. Um, Yes, your personal family. Yes, your biological family. But more importantly, your spiritual family. And I'm not even talking about your church family, but just people that you are connected with spiritually. Amen. So, you know, we've been doing this series called In Times of Distress and so i went a little bit different i did not define the word kindred from you i think you all know what to do by now when you see that word you know to go define it you know we're going to look it up to see what it means um if you know if, if you ever use the word kin you know it has something to do with your family right mm-hmm. so in times of distress god just started talking to me and and i just began to think about um you know, I began to think about baby Ellie and just this season that we are in and doing this men's fellowship and how we're helping each other as as a family in the church. And that's how God gave me, you know, gave me the I guess the the, the message, right? Because I was just thinking about our church, our spiritual family. And I I was thinking about last Sunday and how I was saying I was telling the missionary that I wanted her to sing because I I knew that soon she was going to be going, you know, um, she would be staying home with, with the baby. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: and so God just said that in times of distress, something is going to be born. We have to look for something to be born in times of distress. And y'all remember now when we started this, when we started this series in times of distress, it wasn't about us being in distress It was about us being a solution in a time of distress, right? So in a time of distress, when things are going on around us, God is trying to birth something in us, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever that is, whatever God is trying to birth, will be preceded by messengers. It will be preceded by evidence, but also be confirmed by the Holy Spirit. It will be confirmed by the Spirit of God, right? Whatever it is, is going to be preceded by messengers, so think about whatever that's happening or whatever is going on in your life. God always sends a messenger. He always sends somebody. Amen. You know, whether it's somebody on your job, whether it's a stranger in the street, whether it's a preacher, a pastor, whether he uses grandmama or granddaddy. He always sends somebody to kind of let you know that you are in this season and he's trying to get your attention. And a lot of times we block out that messenger. So that's our first mistake right we block out that person that's trying to talk to us because god knows that we get ready to go into a season where we're going to need to hear from hear from him right Mm -hmm. and so then the next thing there's going to be evidence right so after you after god sent a messenger you might blow it off and you might okay right but then you start to see little signs of what god was talking about right you start to see little signs of little things here or there, but most of the time we we just chalk it up to oh that's just coincidence, right? That's just coincidence. But no, that's our second mistake because God is trying to talk to us again. And then the last thing, and this is where this is where we really messed up, is the Holy Spirit really tugs on us, and it's a really a feeling on the inside that's telling us something is getting ready to happen. And when and, and 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 when we reject that feeling of the Holy Spirit, that's when whatever that thing is that God is trying to birth is aborted, right? Because if God gives life, it's the Holy Spirit. God say, you know, He breathed into Adam, right? The Holy Spirit is trying to breathe something in you, and He just doesn't do it, and you miss it. He tries to prepare you, right? As as I go on, you're going to see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit as being like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from or which way it's blowing. Sometimes it might blow to the east, sometimes it might blow to the west, and you don't know when, you just feel a breeze, right? That's the Holy Spirit. And when we reject that, sometimes that thing that God is trying to birth in us is aborted. And so Jesus is the firstborn. If y'all remember the sermon in Colossians, go back and listen to that. We are born by the Spirit into the family of God. We are born by the Spirit into the family of God, right? So, just like I was saying, in doing times of distress, God is trying to birth something in us, right? He He sends a messenger. He sends evidence. The Holy Spirit begins to work. God is tugging on us, right? He's trying to birth something, and, and when... He saves us. We are being born into his family. That's what it means to be born again. And Jesus is the example of that. He's the firstborn of God. He was the first to be raised from death. He is the firstborn, right? He is our example. So as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about what family means, what it means for someone to understand the spirit within you. To be connected to other people, not just by blood, or marriage, or things, or possessions, but by Christ. Y'all think about that. Because I'm pretty sure when I say kindred, or you saw on the screen, family dynamic, your initial mind went to your children, your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy. But think about what it means to be connected to someone to love them like family that's not your blood, right? And the perfect example of this, y'all might be saying, Pastor, you crazy, but I was thinking about my niece and RJ, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about when they got RJ christened and how I prophesied over him and God said he would be a prophet. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about baby Ellie, but when I prayed for Aki and her, and the Lord had me pray that what was in me would be in baby Ellie, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, Lord, why was that not the same? Why was that not the prophecy for RJ, right?" And so it, it made me think about back to when we first saw it. this sermon. Is like, I I, I hope baby Ellie grow up and listen to this. So it made me think about back to when we first met Octavia. She was like our first born spiritual child right she was like the first child that latched on to us and said you all are my godparents Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right the first one before trey is like the first one but JK has always been there because that's blood Mm -hmm. right and so what god was doing in that moment when i was prophesying it wasn't about the blood it wasn't about jake's relationship to me by marriage it was about God passing down something to our firstborn spiritual child. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Amen. 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 So what it means to be connected to people, not just by blood or things or possessions, but by Christ. These types of relationships are becoming increasingly less, yet they are so necessary. Right? These type of relationships, who do you trust out there? Who can you say has the same spirit as you, right? They had the same spirit as you. Who out there can you say understands your, your spirit man? Mm-hmm. Not your funny, wishy-washy tendencies, but your spirit man, your heart, mm-hmm. right? Who out there can you say understands that about you? Right. The lack of these type of relationships are the cause for divorce. So when you hear, I know everybody in here, if you've been in church long enough, you hear people talk about being equally young. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean both of y'all got the same type of degrees? Does that mean both of y'all, you know, want the same type of house? Does that mean both of y'all want the same number of kids? No. It's about your spirit, man. Does this person have the same spirit as you? Are they striving towards Jesus like you striving towards Jesus? Or at least do they have the same desire to strive for Jesus like you have? Right? But then we get married or we get into these relationships or situations where we don't have kindred spirits and it leads to divorce. It leads to break up, broken homes. It leads to all these unhealthy relationships. Right? Even in the church it's not it, it's, it, it's not the Word. It's not God that fails. It's all these people with all these different spirits, mm. and they're not connected to the Holy Spirit that makes church seem fake.
1: Yeah.
0: Or when it doesn't work. But God told us when two or three are gathered in His name, He's going to be in the midst. Yes, yes, amen. Right. And so for a couple of Sundays, I read a lot out of Amos. Y'all can stay seated because I told you I'm going fast. So I read a lot out of Amos, but I specifically was reading Amos 3 and 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? But I want to go back to the first verse. It says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for your iniquities. Can two walk together? except they be agreed. Mm-hmm. God is speaking to a spiritual family. Right? He's speaking to a spiritual family. He says, what's getting ready to happen is getting ready to happen to your whole family because I chose you as a family. Think about the promise that he made to Abraham. The promise that he made to Abraham concerns his family, his seed, Right? Your seed is going to be multiplied. It concerns his seed. God is always talking to us as a unit, as a people. But so many times we make it like we try to make it so individualized. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. But none of us, we were not designed to live in isolation. And I'm not just talking about a church family. Even if you didn't go to church, you connected to somebody. You are a part of some type of spiritual family. You are connected to some type of spiritual family. And whatever that spiritual family is into, the family is going to reap what it sows. So ask yourself, who am I kindred to today? Who am I connected to today? John 3, verses 3-8, through and Jesus answered, I am telling you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. Right? So that means again means it's happening for the second time. So you are born into this world, into this sinful world. You are born into a family. You were shaped and formed in iniquity into a sinful family. Jesus said, no one will see the kingdom of God unless you are born again into my family. How can a grown man, this is Nicodemus, how can a grown man be born again, Nicodemus asked? He certainly cannot enter his mother's womb and be born a second time. I am telling you the truth, replied Jesus, that no one will enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. And I read that so many times that I just thought he was talking about baptism. But he's talking about the actual, you you have two births. You are literally, when you're in the womb, you are in a sack of what? Water. Right? So you're human. That is a human birth. Water. You come out of your mother's womb, that's a human birth. But to see the kingdom of God, human birth is not enough. You need a spiritual birth. And that's being born of the Spirit. Right? Because Jesus explains it in the sixth verse. He says, a person born physically, of human parents, but is born spiritually of the Spirit. In times of distress, God sends a messenger. He sends a preacher. He sends evidence. And you you know, we just be thinking, oh, that's just coincidence. And then he sends the Spirit, and you don't know when the Spirit going to hit you. You don't know when the Spirit going to convict you. You don't know when the Spirit going to say, just like Tony was saying, Three years ago, right? You don't know when the spirit is going to hit you, but when the spirit comes and you're born again, it changes your life, and now you enter into this new family that you were not a part of. Yes, yes. Amen, amen. Do not be surprised because I tell you, because I tell you that you must all be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes. You hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. It is like that with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit just blows, right? And that's why we have to be prepared at all times because we never know what the Holy Spirit is trying to do or birth in our life, right? Right? But if you're blocking it, if you're resisting it, if you think it's coincidence, right, when we sing that that song, Lord, don't pass me by, like that's the attitude that you have to have. Lord, don't pass me by. When the wind blows, I want to catch hope to it. I want to catch hope to it. In times of distress, we are often a part of spiritual families that are not the kindred of God. And I'm not just talking about church families, because I said, God, I don't want this to seem like I'm trying to say everybody got to be a part of 3PT. It's so much bigger than the walls of the church. During times of distress, look at what's going on in your life and then say, OK, Lord, what spiritual family am I in right now? Right. Because regardless of whether you are a member of the church, you are connected to somebody. It could be you a part of an emotional clique. You can be a part of a mental clique, a political clique, a racial clique. You can have an ad family, right? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: It's people all over the world that watch pornography. You were part of that ad family. You addicted to that. You connected to somebody, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You might be connected to people that complain all the time. People that gossip all the time. You might be connected to stingy people. You might be connected to angry people. All oh, like you are a part of a spiritual family, but are you are you connected to a family that loves the Lord? That's the family that God wants us to be a part of. And what's happening now to call these groups sin is becoming offensive, right? When you when you when you say like the people that do this, that sin, we we people think that's offensive. And what's also happening is to call yourself a Christian, to say, I'm a part of a spiritual family called Christian. That's becoming offensive to people. And what we do, y'all think about this, so many times, think about, shift your mind to think about your spirit, to think about a spiritual family as a clique, or a group of people who behave or think a certain way. We begin to protect these spiritual families with our lives. With our lives. We get so angry. Like, uh-uh, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. And we defend it. We debate it. But what we're doing, we're becoming complicit. Any, any family that's not the kindred of God, we become complicit in the sin. And that's Acts 5. When you read about that husband and wife, Ananias, the father, right? Right? and the husband goes in and he lies to the Holy Spirit and what did the wife do she wanted to protect her husband's life sometimes we are part of, of groups of, of people who everybody just going with the flow because that's what we do that's how we operate and you you know even if you're not doing it yourself but you still rolling with the click and you don't say anything or push back you're complicit in the sin, and what happened to both of them? They dropped dead. And as I was preparing, I say, "Okay, God, I get it, right? I get. It. You know, I'm, I'm preaching about being a Christian. I'm preaching about being the kin the kindred of God, about being a part of a spiritual family, and that's why I thank God for our church. And when I'm preaching, especially when I have visitors, I don't want it. I don't want to make it seem like." Our church is better than other churches, but I also also need the people that's in our congregation to know that we have something special, right? That we have something special when you have a body of believers that you can depend and count on to hold you accountable and have the same spirit. But when you start talking about everybody having the same spirit, they say, you know, because it happened to me. My aunt say, are oh, you in a cult? Right? But I'm thinking like, what what is wrong with trying to live for Jesus? Right? What is wrong with I want to stop doing things that destroy my life? Like, why is that a negative? Why do I have to be brainwashed because I want to live for Jesus? Or I want to shout at the top of my lungs that I love him. Or I'm not afraid to cry, you right, like, to show my emotions. Now something is wrong with me. Right. So I get it. I get that there are bad churches where pastors can abuse the congregation and brainwash them. And they preach sermons that make people feel guilty so that they can try to control them. I get all of that. Mm -hmm. But we have to understand that the word was never intended to give grace. The word was never intended to give grace. The law says, right, if you go by the law, the law says, just the word, the law says, you did this, you need to get stoned. You did this, you need to die. You did this, you need to get punished. You did this, kick them out of the congregation. That's the word. That's the Old Testament. It's no bend in it. Right? Grace comes from Jesus. And Jesus himself said, listen to what Jesus says. He says, do not think that I have come to do away with the law of Moses and the teachings of the prophets. I have not come to do away with them, but to make their teachings come true. Mm -hmm. You say, I'm here to go. I'm here to uphold the word. Remember that as long as heaven and earth last, not the least point or the smallest detail of the law will be done away with, not to the end of things. So then, whoever disobeys even the least important commandment and teaches others to do the same will be the least in the kingdom of God. Y'all hear that? Whoever disobeys the smallest commandment will be the least in the kingdom of God. On the other hand, whoever obeys the law and teaches others to do the same will be great In the kingdom of God. I tell you then. That you would not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only if you are more faithful. Than the teachers of the law. And the Pharisees. In doing what God requires. Jesus came to hold us. Accountable to the law. And because of him. We have a sufficient. Amount of grace to try. So let me explain. What that means y'all. It was three people in that group that Jesus was talking about. The first was a person who believes and then they don't do nothing with it. Right? Just like the parable of the Talent. They believe and they don't do nothing with it. It says they will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So they obviously they got in because they in the kingdom, but they the least. Mm-hmm. The next person is the person who believes and does something with it. The word says they will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because they didn't bury it. Mm-hmm. And then the last person, he says they won't enter in at all because they just talk about believing, but they really don't. The Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. And so in all of those things, in all of those scenarios, the law is the same for everybody. Jesus is holding everybody accountable, the believer and the unbeliever. We still owe him something for what he did. But we don't have to be perfect because his grace is sufficient. It's it's enough for us to try. He told Paul, but, but his answer was, my grace. Paul was praying, Lord, please take this away from me. And and God responded, but my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weakness in order to feel the protection of Christ's new power over me. So going back, Paul is in distress, and he wants everything, he wants this distress to end, right? And Jesus says, I'm not going to take that away from you, but my grace is sufficient for you. He's letting Paul know that you you don't have to get every single thing right. But I need you to care about trying to get it right. I need you to care about trying to get it right. And then when you do that, that shows that you have the spirit of God. Because even when you make mistakes, you care about the mistakes that you made enough to go try to fix it. And because you care, God's grace steps in and says, I ain't gonna get you this time because I see that you care. <laughs> right? Yeah. But when you mess up and you don't care, then you're gonna have to answer because the law says the mm-hmm. wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to believe in Jesus to be a part of his family. Because his grace is what is what allows you to make it through every single thing that you go through and not be anxious, and not be depressed, and not give up, because it's His grace that's making you strong in your weakness.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We were not designed to trust in ourselves. To do so would only lead to failure. In the Old Testament, that's why judgment would often fall on whole families. Like we saw that in Joshua. Y'all remember that? Mm -hmm. When judgment would fall, it would fall on the whole family, or it would fall on a whole generation. These groups of people face judgment not because, they didn't face judgment not because we got the same blood, but because of their kindred spirits. So what I mean by that, every time we see God destroy, like, or allow, I won't say he destroyed, but allows destruction to come on a group of people, does he always destroy all of them? His people. No, he always leaves a wood. He always leaves a ramming. Even the ones that were wandering in the wilderness when he allowed them to die off, he left another generation to leave on. Mm-hmm. But the ones that died, the reason that they died off was because they had the same spirit mm-hmm. as the ones who were committing the crime. So it didn't matter whether they died this month or next month,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they was they were still guilty. Mm-hmm. I notice a lot. That's why I say I'm going to talk fast, y'all. Thank you, Lord.
1: Yeah.
0: So this is the part. I want I want to make it personal. So when I look out over the congregation, and I'm, I'm almost there. I'm like three-fourths of the way, y'all. So when I look out over the congregation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I ask myself, what is being born?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's being born in Esso right now, right? Okay. What's being born in Tony? What's being born in Janelle? Mm-hmm. What's being born in Brandy? Right, mm-hmm. can I see what God is saying through your life? What He's saying to you in this season. When I look at SO, can I can I see and can I hear what He's saying to, to her? Right? When I'm looking at her life, can I see like yes, God speaking all over her life? I can see it and I can hear it. Mm-hmm. So y'all understand when I'm prophesying over somebody, that's what I'm doing. That's what the Holy Spirit is allowing, He's allowing me. To speak, Mm -hmm. what he's showing me over that person's life. Mm -hmm. What is the evidence, right? So he sends a messenger. Mm -hmm. So then, after 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 he speaks to that person, there should be evidence, right? Because if a prophet prophesies and it doesn't come true. Then they are a what? A false prophet. So if I'm speaking over so's life, then I should see evidence of what God just allowed me to speak. Amen. Right? And then it should be followed with a testimony where she gets up and says, God did this for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now what God spoke of her, right? He, he speaks it first. And then he allows it to come to pass. That's the birth part. Yeah. She gives birth to, to what God spoke. There's evidence of it. So when I look at over the congregation, can I see that? And then it goes into what I read at the beginning of what minister prayed. When I see that, when I see stuff starting to happen in the evidence, right, do I get joy because I see the baby yeah, yeah. on the inside of that person, right? Yeah. Do I get joy like I see it, God? I see it coming. I see it happening. Yeah. I see it like I'm waiting in anticipation of this testimony that Tony getting ready to give about what God is doing in her life. Right? That's what happened when 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 uh when Mary and Elizabeth met up when in Luke one. She just stepped in the room and said, "Hey, Elizabeth!" And then John left in her stomach in anticipation of this Savior that was getting ready. To be born, they had kindred spirits.
1: Jesus.
0: They had kindred spirits. And that's how, that's how you should feel when you go to church. Mm-hmm. You should feel like some type of joy on the inside of you for what you see God doing in your brothers and your sisters' life. Yes. Right? But as a pastor, how can I rejoice? Here's the flip side how can I rejoice when I look at somebody and their womb is better? Mm-hmm. Right? When I look out over the <coughs> congregation and there ain't no baby in the womb. There's no baby in the womb. Or mm-hmm. well, the baby's been aborted, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you will not go to the you don't go to the doctor or the hospital to get that 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 defeat fetus, you know, you just let it. And I know that's graphic, but think about it. That's what we like. We carry dead dreams, mm-hmm. we carry disappointments, we carry hurts. Yes, Lord. And like, what you? Only Jesus can make some dead come to life. We just walk around there and can't dead stuff, or we batter them. Oh God, it's good women are not the only ones that can give birth right so when y'all get y'all 3M's and y'all studying this week and you reading Luke 1 it doesn't start with Elizabeth it doesn't doesn't start with Mary It it starts with a man right it starts with John the Baptist's dad in the temple God speaks to him and tells him, you're going to have a son. Before his wife even got pregnant, he spoke to him and said, you're going to have a son. So women are not the only ones that can give birth. Luke one, some of the men in here, right? Dead dreams, dead manhood, dead respectability. And it has nothing to do with with human wisdom, but spiritual wisdom. God spoke about birth to Zechariah before his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. He tried to birth an idea in him first, but he did not receive it. Instead, he aborted it. He said, God, we too all I ain't having no son. And in essence, he aborted his voice and his message. When he didn't believe God, the angel said, You're not gonna speak again until that baby is born. When you don't let God birth what he's trying to birth in your life, you don't have nothing to say because you're not talking about anything. Until you're talking about God. Amen. Amen. So you can be talking about your plans and and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and all this stuff. And if God ain't in the picture, that baby ain't you ain't talking about nothing. Amen. That baby not gonna be born. God told Zechariah, he said, until you believe that I'm going to burst something in your life that will testify and lead people to me, because that's what his son, John the Baptist, did. He stood in the wilderness and testified. He said, until you believe that I'm trying to birth something in you that's going to testify and lead people to me, then you don't have anything to say. And when you read Luke, he called both of them faithful servants. Zachariah and Elizabeth, he said both of them are faithful. So like we gotta get we gotta get out of the mindset that just coming to church is enough. Just oh yes, I, I know Jesus. I was saved when I was seven years old. But what is he birthing in you? Right? Both of them were faithful, and he didn't believe that God was trying to do something in his life. And God was like, basically, who are you talking to? Don't say nothing else. I just told you what I'm getting ready to do. So you just be quiet. Many of us don't have anything to say about God and no commitment to him because our spirits are not kindred. So what I mean, like, so Zechariah didn't have anything to say, <coughs> not flipping around and at Mary. Mary walked into the room, said, Hey Elizabeth, and her baby spoke for her. Y'all understand? Yeah, Mary walked into the room and her baby spoke for her. Sometimes some of us don't have anything to say because we won't let God birth anything in us that will speak for us. Where we don't have to open our mouth, and we would just let God birth it. When we walk in the room, somebody gonna leap for joy, cause they are gonna be like, something different is happening when Chelsea steps in the room. Something different is happening when Trey steps in the room. I feel different. I feel better. I feel like I can make it. I feel like I can go on. I'm encouraged. I'm at peace. I feel comfortable. I feel joy. I feel happy. That baby, whatever is in you. That's why when the word says we have to be able to explain the hope, the hope that is in us. Yes. Explanation don't always mean with your mouth. Explanation means with your life.
1: Because
0: <laughs> when we think about it, our mouth is not in something What's in the. That's why the word says, out of the abundance of the heart. Out of, out of the abundance of the heart, this speaking
1: mm-hmm.
0: Now y'all think about this. Joseph, the father of Jesus, had to humble himself. This is a lot of meat, y'all. No, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. I'm mm-hmm. Joseph, the father of Jesus, had to humble himself to the father of a child that was not his own. Y'all think about that, meaning. Mm-hmm. And then when I started thinking about it, I said, I raised two boys that were not biological mine, but my mindset was I have to do right by God towards them. It didn't matter that they were not biologically mine. His blood requires that I treat them like they are my family. Amen. Spiritually, I have to shift I have to watch over them. Yes. Joseph the father of Jesus had to humble himself and raise a child. Can y'all imagine what would have happened to Mary? He could have had a stone. Yeah. Right? But that kindred spirit thing, he said, God, he the Holy Spirit, I remember, like the Holy Spirit spoke to her. That's in Luke 1, 2. The Holy Spirit spoke to her, and then the word, the, the word said that Joseph had a dream, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And so that's how they were able to be on one accord. Mm-hmm. If either one of them had resisted what the Holy Spirit was trying to do, then the story goes a totally different way. Mm-hmm. So while at the same time he's putting a baby on the inside of Mary, he's putting an idea on the inside of Joseph. He's birthing something into both of them mm-hmm. that was designed to give him Glory. Right, So you can feel manly about being able to create life, but are you man enough to lead that life to the one who created it? You participated in the born of the water part, but so many people neglect the born of the spirit part. And in doing so, they become no better than a pagan who sacrificed their child to a false god. Y'all realize that's all that, like, when we think about when we read the Bible and you see these people that be sacrificing their uh, they their they, they children to, to to false gods, we ain't no different. That's what abo- that's what abortion is. And even if you allow your child to come into this world, but you never raise them in the way that they should go, you sacrifice them to the devil. You you were born you were born the baby. So I, I just start thinking, and I said, God just God forbid that my children, that they're just they're just demise, if anything happens to them, I don't want it to be because of me. Amen. Amen. I don't want it to be because I failed to do my duty as a father. Right? So the only thing, if the only thing that I pass along is my spirit. And my DNA, that's not cool. Because when I think about my spirit, my tendencies are not always good. It's cool that Ethan looks like me. But I would would much rather him look like Jesus, right? It's cool that he looks like me on the outside. Like, I remember when we had him, we had Izzy first. I said, let's try one more time. I want to see what one more looks like. And we just so happen to have a boy, and he looks just like me. So thank you, Lord, for my son. Mm -hmm. But I would much rather him look like Jesus on the inside Mm -hmm. than me on the inside. Mm -hmm. God gave me the outside. Mm -hmm. He gave me a son, something that looks like me and reflects me. Mm -hmm. But I need his inside to look like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what's important. Because my DNA is corrupt. So I have to point them to the real father. Y'all, and I'm going back to Joseph. Y'all understood? He sacrificed his fatherhood to raise God's child. And that's what a christening is. So I hope all this is application when we're doing these things in the church. That's what a christening is. I gave birth to this physical child, but now I'm giving him back to you or them back to you. They belong to you. And I will raise your child. That takes humility to place your child in God's hand and say, you tell me what to do with this life. It ultimately belongs to you and not me. That's the spirit of God. So I need to point them to the real father because his DNA is perfect. Right? And I can't pass along Jesus is DNA to my children if I don't have. So that means for me to pass Jesus to them, I gotta have Jesus myself. I have to be born again so that my DNA will be changed. And if my DNA is changed, then I can pass it along to my kids. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>
0: Car right there. I'm sweating. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
1: I'm yeah. mm-hmm. going mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to follow you as much as I could. You go. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was flowing with you. Like, so you started saying the other way. I had to make sure I look. You know. These are line though, right? These slides. Oh, oh it's so going. good. What? Whatever. I'm just a man like, Yeah, it, I, I, it went through everything. i was just going you back to know, start recording.
1: I'm just going back to recording.